in the air. Brito back at the wall. Adios, Pelota! That's the type of manager that I'd like to be, which is the same every day. They know what they're going to get. They're going to get energy. They're going to get accountability. They're going to get structure, and they're going to get support. And I'm going to bring those things to the dugout in the clubhouse regularly. It takes hard work, uh, and it takes humility, taking one step forward at a time, making one good baseball move after another. And I really feel like that's how we're going to get where we hope and intend to go. You're listening to Bags and Brisby on Athletic Podcast Network. Welcome to episode 85 of the Bags and Brisby podcast. I am Grant Brisby. I'm here with Andy Baggerly and uh, 85, I guess this is the 100 loss podcast. This is the <laughs> podcast we lose 100 games, which I, I probably could have told you that already. How are you doing, Andy? I'm doing good. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Uh, so it is a Monday and on Friday, which feels like two weeks ago, uh, Buster Posey opted out of the season, and we haven't talked about it yet. We kind of had a hint, but it was irresponsible to speculate. Uh, but the announcement and the reasoning was a little unexpected and, and, and beautiful and touching. Uh, so, so talk about that just for a second. Buster Posey, not not playing for the Giants. Yeah, so um, you know how uh, Rob Friedman, the, the pitching ninja on Twitter, will, will have his tunneling videos where he shows an overlay of three pitches, and they look like... They're going exactly the same way. And then at the last second, they break off in three different directions, <laughs> yes. which which shows you how impossibly hard it is to hit a baseball in, in the year 2020. Um, well, I, I sort of felt like like yourself and, and myself and Tim Kawakami kind of did that uh, in, in the three pieces that we wrote about uh, about Buster. I was worried that, you know, we'd all track a little too close to each other. Um, but really, we all did different things. And um, I thought what you wrote was was terrific. And I completely 100% agree with it. Um, you know, not to be the one to summarize your your uh, column, but it's basically, I think that the point was, it didn't matter what Buster's reason was, it was going to be legitimate. And you really have no right to question it. Because, right. you know, it's, it's, uh, uh, that's really not not anyone's place to to do in this in this time that we're in. So, um, yeah, I, I just I thought it was cool how we all sort of picked different uh, ways to go. Um, but yeah, it's something that's going to affect the organization in a lot of ways, and it's something that's emblematic of of where we are in a lot of ways. I know that there are a lot of people who were like, ah, he's washed up anyway, and then there's the other the people who were like, ah, the Giants weren't going to do anything anyway, and. I disagree with both of those insofar as it's a 60-game season. Lots of uh, chicanery can happen, and Posey's still valuable. Posey is one of the few players on the Giants who could start for a lot of the contending teams. I don't know off the top of my head. You know, I, I can't really remember who's catching for uh, the Astros, the Dodgers, you know, all, the, all that stuff. But he could start for plenty of those teams and be a, a net positive. And so for the Giants to lose him in a season in which the games are about three Three times as important as they might otherwise be in the regular season, it's a big deal. And so, you know, to to have Posey be out is a big deal. But you also just you can't begrudge him. It just it makes sense for him, and you have to just be happy for him and, and chalk it up to the weirdness of 2020. For listeners who maybe haven't gotten up to speed. Um, you know, he did announce the reason why he's opting out is that he and his wife, Kristen, are, have just finalized as of Thursday the uh, adoption of identical twin uh, baby girls who were born on July 3rd, which happened to be the very first uh, workout as the Giants were restarting um, trying to play this season. And Buster missed that workout, obviously, and then uh, he missed uh, two workouts the, the following week while that adoption was being finalized. So 
Um, you know, those babies are, are healthy, they're stable, they are in the NICU because they were born premature um, by about, you know, five to six weeks, depending on what you count as full term for twins. Um, but you know what, it's it's one of those deals where when we didn't know what was happening and we knew that he had raised the possibility of opting out, you go through all the different possibilities in your mind. Does he have a family member who's got it? Has he been exposed to it? You know, what what's what are all the negatives? What, you, you go through your mind about all the negatives that could be going on in his life. And then he tells you what the reason is. And it's it was almost really like a like someone opened a window and let in a breath of fresh air. Um, it's it's something positive. It's it's uh, you know, it's something that he and his wife have wanted to do for a long time. They've come so agonizingly close to finalizing adoptions only to not have them work out, including one time they had um, a baby that they were caring for for a few days and the birth family changed their mind. I mean, you can only imagine how excruciating that must be. And so, you know, to to be able to say, to celebrate, hey, this is a really good thing that's happening in the world. Um, you know, that that's great because we don't have enough of that right now. Yeah. And, and you know, to, to be clear, if he had just pulled a David Price and said, hey, not going to work for me or my family, I will not be coming, you know, I will not be playing baseball this year. That is, that's cool. I, I That's all that needs to be said. Like, not going to work for me. That is the, there needs to be no reason other than that. But then when you hear the reason, it's just like, oh my gosh. And like, I didn't need a reminder of of how uh, Buster Posey is like a, a superhuman being. You know, he's a more complete human being than I am. I, I can just tell that by looking at his hairline. Uh, you know, he's got a <laughs> thick head of hair and I just can't stand him on that reason alone. Uh, but then it's it's like, okay, I went on vacation. I went to Tahoe about 10 years ago. I had a one-year-old and my friend had twins and the four-year-old twins, boy and a girl. And I spent three days with those twins, and that's enough twins for me. I am <laughs> I am okay with twins, and they're sweet kids. It, but it, you know what I mean? It's just I, I looked at that, and I just all I could think of is how do you do this? It's like you're you're alone, and one twin goes one way, one twin goes the other, and what do you do? It's bizarre. So not only does Buster Posey have twins, but he thought, okay, well I could do, or we could do another set. And that, who does that? Who does that? <laughs> right. Who wants two sets? Right. Oh. Well, at least you're practiced at, at doing it once. And <laughs> and I'm sure they have a lot of help. And, and, and you know what? I, sure. I'll bet even my sister, I think, was about eight when I was born. And, and she, you know, basically raised me as much as my mom did because, you know, we had – I have seven brothers and sisters. So um, it was kind of a juggling act without twins. Uh, but uh, I'll, I'll bet you that, that the eight-year-olds are, are going to be really involved too and they'll, you know, help out. And uh, it was just really sweet to hear Buster tell the story of how they took out a bunch of construction paper and cut up their own confetti and threw it up in the air when, when that adoption <laughs> got finalized. So that what a sweet moment. So that's that's what I let off my story with. It's a tremendous story. It really is a good decision. And I think you mentioned uh, in your story how it just it speaks to Buster Posey's mental state that he even considered it, that he even, you know, it, it was like a, a tough decision for him when it shouldn't have been. And I don't mean that as like a value judgment, but like it shouldn't have been that hard of a decision. You have at risk uh, uh, kids in your house now, but just boom, you shut it down. But he he agonized over it, I felt like. And, and that sort of speaks to how what baseball means to him. Yeah, I think he did. But I also think he didn't because, you know, knowing what the history is, as he's described it with the adoption process. Process. I think he's, they still weren't considering this final until they, the adoption was finalized. 
And it, it, it's it's obvious that he made the announcement the day after the adoption was finalized. So, you know, I, I think he had made up his mind. I think he knew that this was the right thing to do when the babies were born premature. He said that if the babies hadn't been born premature, then he probably would have played. Um, but they were. And once that happened, it was just a matter of making sure that the adoption goes through and, and doesn't hit a snag, which they know is, is a possibility. And once that went through, then I think that was, okay, time to make the decision and, and let everybody get on with their lives here. Babies, infants, the first couple of months of, of, of their life, even when they're not premature, their immune system is, is just nothing. It is, a, it is a blank piece of notepaper. And, you know, it really takes a couple months to ramp up. And even for the first year, you just don't want to mess with that. And so uh, I would I would have been surprised if he had played with infants. I think anyone playing, you know, with an infant, uh, uh, I, I think I, that surprises me. But I cannot remember who the player was who has a, a pregnant wife. Uh, I think it's Brock Holt who basically said, I don't know if I'm going to get another chance to win a job in spring. So mm-hmm. I got to be here. You know, and I, I hate that. I hate that because it just speaks to, uh, you know, Posey has the the security. Uh, David Price has a security, but not everyone has a security. Not everyone. And I think that's sort of emblematic of society at large is that you have some people who can choose to to work from home and, and sit this one out. And some people who have to be there in essential workers. And it just it, it's hard to fathom. Yeah, it's almost like the ultimate privilege. I mean, we have seen that sort of borne out by who has opted out, um, you know, who has decided that this is just not going to be worth their while. When you you start to figure out what they're going to make in a, in a in a shortened season, if they even play all sixty games, um, the people who have a lot of money in the bank and have some compelling reasons, you know, they do have the the privilege to be able to say, I I can do this, I can opt out, and it, it's not a tough financial decision. Um, and a lot of players aren't in that boat, and just like a lot of essential frontline workers are, are not in that boat, and and you know so many people who um, have to go out in the world and put themselves at risk are then coming home and and to you know maybe a multi generational family where they are living with people who um, are, are going to have risk factors. So, um, but you know it's overall I, I was I was looking at this today. There's um, uh, an article and I'll, I'll call it up right here, but it was on Medium, and it shows all the places you can go with a U.S. passport. And we're down to like 20 countries in the world where you can go, and almost all of them are in the Balkans or the Caribbean. And I, I wouldn't go to the Caribbean because if they're open to everyone, they're also open to people from like Florida, and I don't want to be around those people either. So um, I never want to be a member of a club that would have me. What's the Groucho Marx quote? <laughs> exactly, exactly. So, So yeah, it's just like... We're, we're living in a plague state right now. I mean, we've completely failed. This country's completely failed. And, uh, um, you know, so, yeah, I, I can totally, I forgot where my, my I was going with this, but um, it's, it's just, I can totally see why someone would just say, you know what, right now, given what's happening, uh-uh, don't, don't want to do it. But not everyone has that choice. Let's pause to tell you about Hawthorne. Smelling good is important. Hawthorne smells really good. Getting Hawthorne cologne is so easy. Here's how it works. Take a quick two-minute quiz and Hawthorne tells you the two colognes that are best for you. One for work and one for play. Totally risk-free with free shipping and free returns. Check out Hawthorne at hawthorne.co. That's Hawthorne with an E and .co, not .com. 
hawthorne.co and use promo code ATHLETIC to get 10% off your first purchase. That's hawthorne.co and use promo code ATHLETIC to get 10% off your first purchase. Hawthorne.co. The Giants will begin their season in 10 days. How does that feel, Andy? Ooh, yeah, I was looking at uh, the exhibition games against the A's are like next Monday and Tuesday. I'm like, what? That's a week from now. And then the season starts. I mean, it's, uh, yeah, it's it's pretty crazy. I will say, however, that um, I was out at the ballpark uh, on Saturday and uh, they played uh, kind of their most formal version of an intra squad yet. They had different uniforms on orange and black and um, got to see a lot of, of really cool little things. It felt almost like covering a spring training game where you notice, uh, you know, hey, you know, th- this guy's thrown from a different arm angle or, you know, Logan Webb is thrown a little bit harder than he did before. Um, I can actually use my um, binoculars and I can peep the screen uh, for TrackMan so I can see pitch type, uh, you know, break. I can see uh, oh, velo. Wow. Um, so, yeah, that, that was pretty cool. Um, I can really see the shape of, of of uh, Andrew Triggs's pitches uh, coming from sort of a crossfire delivery, and you realize he's tough on righties. Uh, or Wandy Peralta, you know, he gave up a few hits, but he was able to get the ball in uh, to right-handed hitters, which is pretty important for a lefty. So, you know, it it, it does seem kind of crazy that they're actually going to play in, in like 10 days, but it's also kind of cool to, to see people tuning up and realizing that, yeah, you know, guys did stay in pretty good shape, and, and I think for the most part, they, they will be ready to go physically. Was Saturday the day of Chadwick Trump? Was was that one of his like breakout days? No, no. So Saturday was Pablo Sandoval hit a home run, and okay. uh, and then um, and he rounded the bases. And Hunter Hunter Pence hit a home run, and he did not round the bases because he's not allowed to um, because of his uh, his foot. I guess he's got some plantar fasciitis or something going on in his in his foot. So. Um, uh, it was kind of funny to see Pence just absolutely tag one off Logan Webb that landed, you know, three quarters of the way up the left field bleachers, and then he just sort of put his head down and didn't want to show up his teammate, so he just walked back to the dugout. Um, that was pretty cool. Oh man, I I just want to point out on the record that I'm a card carrying anti fasciitis. Uh, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> just yeah. I want I want I want Hunter Pence to to run and be unfettered. Uh, no, that's good. But you know, I, I bring up I there was a game. I'm not just I didn't have a dream that Chadwick Trump had a, a bunch of hits and in, in hard hit balls. Right, that wasn't a dream. No, it wasn't. I I, I okay, uh, good. And, and he went around third base <laughs> and and he gave an air high five to to Ron Wotus and yeah, he went through all that, did all that stuff. Okay, so you know that kind of segues into the idea of. Does he have a chance? Who's got a chance? Rob Brantley, how familiar should we get with Tyler Heineman? Will there be Russell Martin sightings, signings or sightings? I don't know. What's going to happen? So I really don't know either. I think that maybe they'll sign Connor Joe or Michael Reed to play catcher on opening day and surprise us all. (laughs) No, I do think they're going to look hard externally at some more experienced options because Brantley and Heineman have about a total of 120 something games between them. And they're both 30 year old minor league free agents, right? So there's a reason that they don't have guaranteed contracts. But by the same token, Heinemann's, I think he's shown a nice switch hitting bat. He's throwing really well. Steven Duggar stole second base the other day, but Heinemann made a really nice throw. So I think guys like throwing to both of them. Brantley is a super high energy guy, lefty hitter. So they definitely can try to get matchups with both those guys. It's pretty telling that the whole time they were talking about only carrying two catchers on the roster, even though they'll have 30 to start the season. And really, they've telegraphed that Joey Bart, they just do not believe that he's ready to be rushed to the big leagues. They can't really glean that much 
from these workouts as opposed to getting four at-bats every day against double-A AA or triple-A pitching to gauge big league readiness. So I think that they are going to hold off on Joey Bart unless unless a bunch of people get injured and they have no other choice. But they're going to look in the outside world. And, and I was thinking about this. Russell Martin makes a lot of sense. You know, he's 37. He's a high OBP guy, even though he can't really hit too much anymore. Uh, certainly can't hit for power anymore. Um, but, you know, a good catch and throw guy, a veteran leader. But then I was thinking, you know, if he's coming, he's not going to make that much money. He's probably going to make a few hundred thousand bucks. And and, and that's it. So if you're going to risk playing for a couple hundred thousand bucks and you're Russell Martin, why would you play for the Giants? Why would you play for any team <laughs> that isn't expecting to win like 50 games out of 60? You know, um, I think he's waiting for for the Dodgers or one of these other teams to to uh, offer him something so he can go try to win a, a, a ring. Because, uh, I mean, whoever wins the World Series is going to get a ring this year. Uh, it's going to, you know, be just as hard and shiny as every other World Series winner who gets a ring. So um, that I, I, I really think it would be hard for me to imagine Russell Martin saying, yeah, I, let, let, let's let's go. Let's go suit up for the Giants. Career to date earnings for Russell Martin, one hundred and eighteen million dollars uh, mm. agents and taxes. That's still doing pretty OK. So, yeah, you can pick your spots, uh, but I could see him being. Just someone who can't not play baseball, and if his phone is only ringing because of one team, I I don't know. Like I I guess that they're they're probably his phone is is not quiet. I would guess you know last year he didn't hit too much, but he still had a three thirty seven on base percentage, and even when he's hitting two hundred, hitting two twenty, he's still gonna be a net positive player when it comes to his defense. You know he's always had strong defensive numbers. Uh, I'm not sure how much you can. Um, you can put you can't put a ton of stock into defensive numbers at the same time they sure happen to align with the anecdotal evidence the the reputation and he's just a solid solid catcher and that he can get on base 33 34 percent of the time even as a 37 year old you could do worse so it it will be up to the giants to convince him and and you know if they're interested i have no idea i have no inside information but he does make a lot of sense and he he played a little uh, shortstop Two years ago, played a little uh, third base, a little second. Uh, that, that sounds funny, except, I don't know, Zaidi kind of likes that stuff. Yeah, it, you know, it makes him valuable for, for um, double switching or, or, you know, someone who can move around during the middle of a game. Um, it, it's probably a little less important now that there's a universal DH, there won't be as many double switches. Uh, and obviously, he's not a guy who is going to, oh, good, I can get his bat in the lineup at these extra positions. I mean, he's not a bat... <laughs> That you want to force into the lineup at this point, right? But, um, you know, I, I do wonder about this, how, what the kind of push and pull is with how the Giants are thinking about this. Because obviously they, they want to win. They want to be interesting. They want to be compelling. Losing Buster Posey is a, is a big deal because that's not a position where they had someone uh, who they can, it's next man up, you know, who's, who's you're not going to lose as much. And yet by the same time, they're going to save about 8 million bucks, which, you know, for a team that's, you know, having people take pay cuts and wondering how you're going to continue to pay people past September. Um, you know, we know what their revenues are. We know what the franchise values are. But in terms of their liquidity, um, you know, it all teams are going through a, a, a difficult time. Um, you know, it, it, you can draw an uh, analogy to like Stanford. Stanford eliminated 11 sports. And yeah, they've got a billion dollar endowment, but they're, you're not going to dip into that every time you need money. I mean, it's just not the way that organizations work. So, you know, I, I wonder if for the Giants, they're almost like, you know what, there, there is a positive to not paying Buster Posey $8 million and uh, 
maybe we can do something else with that money. See, again, to the difference between Posey and myself, if someone came to me and said, I will pay you $8 million to watch Twins for six months, I don't know if I could do it. I don't know if I could. Then <laughs> <laughs> he's giving up $8 million to uh, raise these twins to the best of, of him and his family's ability. And that is just so damn noble. And it's so not where my head is at right now. But uh, yeah, no, that's that's not a small uh, thing, the $8 million, the liquidity. That That's a really good point. Uh, I And again, you know, I made the joke to you in Slack that, oh, well, they better go searching for another Will Wilson, another prospect to buy. Uh, and that's probably not what the Giants are going to do. They're just, that's going to be a way for them to lick their wounds a little bit uh, because they're not going to have the revenue that they did. It's important. And if you're a, a Giants team that is secretly thinking Mookie Betts thoughts this offseason, uh, that, that, that could be an important factor. Yeah, and it is wild to think uh, that the Giants, because they released Zach Cozart, who they acquired, uh, took on his contract, which was dead money essentially, so they could buy Will Wilson as a first-round draftee prospect from the Angels in December. Uh, by releasing him in um, January, they're on the hook for his contract, and so they're going to pay Zach Cozart a little over $12 million this year. He's going to be the highest-paid player on the team and one of the highest paid players in baseball because he gets all of that. He gets all of that money. Um, it's not prorated since he was released prior to the pandemic and the shutdown. So, you know, uh, it's kind of crazy to think that Zach Cozart's going to make over $12 million to not play baseball for the Giants and Buster Posey's going to make like nothing for not playing baseball for the Giants. <laughs> I think Zach Cozart owes Buster like a cheeseburger and fries or something or, a, you know, a cup of coffee. Uh, take him out to lunch. Something. Zach Cozart, Giants legend. Uh, yeah, he's as as much a part of Giants lore as Desi Relliford. Just just Giants legends, all of them. Ricky Leday. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, if the Giants don't go outside of the organization, and they're not going to do Joey Bart. This seems like a season where, like, punting is not the right word for it, but the way the Giants are are situated, the, the way that they are built right now with their prospects, they don't have, it's not like they have Tim Lincecum and Matt Cain in the majors who need to learn from some sort of pitcher whisperer, who need to learn from a Benji Molina. You know, they it's not like they don't like Logan Webb or, or, or whatever, whoever the young pitchers are that are going to start the season on the 30-man roster. But it, it, you don't have that sense of urgency where, well, man, if we just stick with Brantley or Heinemann, we're going to be hosed. Like, I, I just don't see them in that situation. So am I reading that correctly? Yeah, I mean, I also had flashbacks to 2011, which, I mean, Buster established himself so quickly that it was remarkable that, you know, they, they lose Buster to... Uh, the Scott Cousins collision at the plate, and they go the rest of the year with with um, Chris Stewart and Eli Whiteside, and they were still a talented team and had their pitching was still at the top of its game, but you know, boy, that that was such a crushing loss, and the, and it just the air went out of the balloon all season long. I I do feel like the Giants would be in that similar situation to 2011, and you know what? That's why I say, and they know a lot more than I do about Joey Bart's development, and and maybe he would just strike out four times a game, and he's not ready, but I would throw Joey Bart in there. I would make him the starting catcher. I mean, he's not 19. He's 24, right? So just throw him in there. I mean, how else is he going to develop? You might as well do it. And and if you lose that extra year of club control or he gets to arbitration a year earlier, 
I mean, does it really matter? You're talking about a catcher hitting free agency at, at 30 as opposed to 29. I mean, is that really a big deal? I don't get it. I think they should start Joey Bart. I think it, I think it's actually a fairly obvious call. Um, but, uh, you know, they, they know they know the player better than I do. Let's take a quick time out to talk about advertising with The Athletic. Most of our listeners are in and around the Bay Area. What better way to promote your business than through our show? Our listeners are loyal and engaged, just like you. What better way to advertise your business than on your favorite podcast? To advertise on this very show, just go to www.theathletic.com slash podcast ads. There you can fill out a very simple form and they'll get back to you right away. So go to www.theathletic.com slash podcast ads. That's www.theathletic.com slash podcast ads today. I go back and forth, but I actually disagree with that. I I just I think about Joey Bart, you know, and he's 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 twenty three years old. He's he's the top prospect. He's got the pop. He's got everyone's rave. He's caught. He's called his own game since college. That was one of the big uh, calling cards for him, uh, pun intended. And I I you know I'm I'm gung ho. And then I look and. Boy, he just he he played 22 games ab- above a ball. 22 games out of San Jose, and I know he had the Arizona Fall League, and he had a, a very strong spring, and I, I love watching his opposite field power. But just there's not a lot of experience above a ball because in part of him getting hit in the hand with two different pitches, um, and I don't know. I just I wouldn't think it would. I could see him making the Giants worse, I guess is what I'm getting at. And that's not because of his talent. I just because of where he is at as a prospect, uh, the time he's missed, the extra time he's missed, and then the time, the COVID time on top of that. I don't know. I could see him making them a worse team compared to Brantley or Heineman, at least for a 60-game season. Yeah, I could see that too. You know, it's 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 tough to predict. I, I guess I, I look a little bit at what he did in the Arizona Fall League before he got hit by the pitch, and he was tearing the league up. And, uh, um, you know, we know he's a good receiver. We know that he's physically able and ready. Um, he doesn't have some of those durability questions that they had uh, with Buster when, when Buster was a, a up-and-coming prospect. Um, so, you know, I, I, I guess you're right. You, you would like to see more exposure, especially to upper-level pitching and really understanding what upper-level pitchers can do, both both from a catching perspective and from a hitting perspective. Um, but uh, I don't know. And maybe part of it is I just think the Giants would be a much more interesting team to watch if they had Joey Bart behind the plate. But but you know we also we also know that there's a lot of players that are going to shake loose, um, and that's going to be true from the Giants and from a lot of other teams because teams really have not made a lot of su- subtractions or additions to their 40 man rosters since uh, since you know March essentially, and we know that, that every team's got a lot of players in the pool, but a lot of teams are going to have to put players on 40-man rosters to get them on the active 30-man roster. And and that means a lot of people are going to be coming off those 40-man rosters. So I think it's going to be a bit of a feeding frenzy here in the couple of days before opening day. And and we've talked about it before that the Giants definitely have some 40-man spots that they can they can free up. I mean, there's a reason that uh, Kian Wong, that uh, Chris Shaw, um, you know, Melvin Adone, uh, uh, Jose Siri, there's a couple more, I think, players off the 40-man are not in the 60-player pool. So, you know, that's kind of telegraphing that that maybe those players could be DFA'd if, uh, 
if you know the Giants need some forty man spots, and and maybe they'll use some of those spots to to take some other players who have who have been DFA'd from other organizations. And I will do a counterpoint to my uh, counterpoint with Joey Bart in, in that if, if this were a normal season, if uh, in an alternate universe, he would probably be up right about now. Maybe they would wait until September. But I think the plan was always get him a little bit of time and let's bring him up in the middle of the season, toward the end of the season. They didn't want to stash Joey Bart in the minors all year. And so I think that that will still be the plan toward the end of the 60-game season, uh, if if we get that far, you know, to bring him up and, and, and give him a test drive. But I also think right about now is, is when they would have considered it in the first place. Yeah, the one big difference is that I think if they had called him up around now, it would be after he'd played in, you know, a bunch of minor league games. And, you know, calling him up, maybe trying to be analogous to uh, okay, well, maybe they'll call him up for like the last 10 games of the season, and that would be sort of similar. Well, he, he won't have those minor league games between now and then to play in. So uh, maybe they'll just decide to keep him in the pool all year. I, I don't I don't know. Um, but there's there's a lot that they have to calibrate. And I, I don't know if they'll, they'll be able to evaluate, uh, you know, Joey Bart's readiness based on what he does in Sacramento as he's, you know, cooling his heels along with everybody else, you know, scrimmaging against each other. Um, I, I just think that's going to be hard for them to really make any evaluate, evaluation type uh, um, decisions. But, uh, um, you know, it, it is interesting, though, not only Joey Bart, but, uh, you know, Camilo Duvall, a guy they just added to the pool as a hard-throwing reliever. I think there's a good chance we could see him. A guy like Kayla Barragar, who uh, um, is a lefty who's got a big curveball and, and uh, a little bit of deception and, and pitched really well in, in the minors last year. Um, we could see him in the big leagues. And a lot of these players, there's going to be no scouting reports on them. Um, so we could see uh, some real surprises uh, fr- from guys who maybe aren't seen as you know top 10 prospects, uh, but especially on the pitching side, people who could come in and, and they're, they're throwing and no one knows what they throw. And uh, that could be a real difficult assignment for, for a lot of hitters. Is it possible for a prospect to do so well in in their, you know, I don't know what you would even call them, their scrimmages, uh, away from the the actual Giants roster, the 30-man, the 28, the 26-man? Is there a way for, like, Elliot Ramos to do so well outside of that that the Giants feel like, well, he's he's wasted up down there. Let, let's call him up. Let's put him on the roster. Or... Is it just sort of like, we're going to let you do your thing, and no matter how well you're hitting against other Giants prospects, uh, you're going you're gonna to hang out there for the season? That would be my assumption, that that he's there to work with the coaches, get reps, see live pitching. And, you know, Kyle Haynes, the farm director, has said, you know, hey, there's a reason that we've got Luis Toribio here, we've got uh, Canario here, we've got, um, you know, uh, Marco Luciano and, and Elliot Ramos and Hunter Bishop once he's healthy. Um, but they don't have... A Sean Jelly or a Seth Corey or some of the pitchers uh, that are well regarded in the organization because pitchers can kind of work on their own. They can they can throw off a mound. They can throw to catchers. They can use a lot of the Rapsodo and Etrotronic and and stuff to to see what their spin rates are and, and and refine their grips and and kind of work on the side. But hitters need to see live pitching. So I think that they have kind of prioritized making sure that an Elliot Ramos was a part of this camp. Um, I, I, it's just really hard for me to imagine him doing stuff in these 
kind of workouts, no matter how they tried to design them to make them seem as game simulation like as possible. It's it's hard for me to imagine that. Oh wow, he just he just uh, hit three straight uh, ninety eight mile an hour fastballs uh, in, into the seats in Sacramento. We we got to call him up. I I'm just not sure that the that the Giants are going to be looking at it that way. Yeah, I think you're probably right with that. It's just I I would pay a, a good chunk of money to watch those games because once you started listing those names like Toribio and Canario and, and, and Luciano, like I, my eyes started doing the cartoon wolf thing and popping out of my like I want yeah. to see those games. That's it's a like good a bunch of names. It's like a futures game kind of. Yeah. All right. Well, this has been episode 85 of the Bags and Brisby podcast. Uh, I are you going to be out in watching some of these practices over the next couple days? Yep, I'm going to head out there today. I, I think my 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 idea is to kind of go Monday through Friday uh, and take the weekends off and and get on the Zoom calls and and uh, and yeah, and just see how this team's coming together and as as best you can uh, sort of gauge them with with this different spring training or whatever we're calling it. All right. Well, we will be back on Thursday and you will have some observations and we will talk to you then. Thanks to Tanika Smothers for producing us. We will see you on Thursday.